already started the recording. So yeah, I know. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to Queens of the Paddock and F1 podcast. My name is Alex, and I'm Courtney. And we are back today with a fun little history episode for everyone. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's a little different. I know. Yeah. I love like doing all these like the history ones because I just find it like so interesting because there's so much crazy stuff that goes on. Yeah. Like throughout all the years and like there's just like I mean we're obsessed. Yeah. So. And it's, <laughs> it's it's like things that I guess like being a new F1 fan like it's really cool to just learn all these different pieces of like where F1 was and like how it's become where it is now you know right no for sure and I think like when you get into it and especially like for us like we got into it with Drive to Survive and like you're only seeing like this little piece of like what's happening currently but there's so much from the past that is just super interesting oh yeah thousand percent so yeah so we each have a little history story that we're going to tell everyone today wait each have a history what? story. What are you talking about? No. I thought we well, were just I mean, talking yeah. about the um the the strike. Well, I have one too. I have a different one. Oh, I thought we were okay, shit. Now I'm going to have to go upstairs and get my notes. <laughs> <laughs> we're having some we had some technical difficulties, but we're back. No, this isn't technical <laughs> difficulties. This is Courtney difficulties. This is user error. <laughs> Oh gosh okay so we are queens of the paddock and we are talking right. history so we're okay. talking f1 history today okay okay so <laughs> we each have a story that we're gonna go over and it's like i feel like more little known history like i don't think every f1 fan knows either of these stories like i know i don't know the one that you're gonna talk about like, I yes. don't know the details. So yeah. I'm excited to hear about that. I mean, to be honest, uh, I didn't really know about anything about either of them, like, prior yeah, to I know. deciding to do this, you know? I know. And, okay, so we had mentioned mine in one of the episodes, and we were talking about, like, well, I, I don't know, whatever. We, did, we mentioned it in one of the episodes, and we were going over all of the teams and we had said like oh we need to research that more because I did yeah. truly did not know all the details but so do you want me to start with my yeah, yeah yeah let's uh, okay so I'm going to set the scene for you oh god it is February of 1958 oh we're going old we're, this is way back this is vintage this is vintage okay. f1 and we're in Havana Cuba Mm -hmm. which is my family's homeland. So that know, also made me very say, excited for is, this. Yeah, I feel like this is a great piece for you because you are Cuban. Yeah, for sure. So the main thing that happens in this story is Juan Manuel Fangio, who was mm -hmm. at the time the best driver in the world. He had at this point won five uh, World Drivers Championships. He okay. is kidnapped at gunpoint. From the hotel lobby where all of the F1 people were staying the night before the Cuban Grand Prix. 
Okay, first of all, I have a question. How do you get kidnapped at gunpoint and no one else is, like, stopping it or gets involved? Oh, there was people around. That's so, what I'm saying. Like, we're, we're going to get into it. This story okay. is wild. <laughs> okay. This story is wild. So, okay, so a little history about Fangio himself. Mm-hmm. He was Argentinian. He grew up down there. His parents were Italian immigrants, and they had come to Argentina. They were very working class, um, didn't have a whole lot. But Fangio started to get into racing, and he worked his way up like in Argentina doing racing stuff there and then ended up moving into Europe and moved into the whole European scene. So whenever F1 started, it was 1950. And he was already 38 years old, but he joined the F1 championship um, and started with it like from the start. So he was very successful from Mm -hmm. the beginning of just being an F1. And he um, ended up winning, like I said, the five championships, like in the first few years of the whole F1 situation. And he was super famous, probably the most popular driver. Um Everyone knew him to be very friendly. He was very popular, like I said. He was very cool, calm, collected, all of those things. So for this to be, like, happening, for him to be kidnapped, it would be like if, like, Lewis Hamilton got kidnapped or, like, yeah, Max Verstappen got kidnapped, like, before the start of a Grand Prix, like, the night before. Like, it was absolutely crazy for this to like be it's happening. Like, it's a big deal. It's it was not a big like- deal. It's not like Piastri or somebody like that, you know. Right. Like, this is <laughs> like, like a- if Piastri gets kidnapped, they're like, "Oh, where is he? Is like, was uh, he, he sick today? Like, <laughs> he just mu- he must have missed the bus." <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. No, this was like a big deal. Um, okay, so then just some backstory on the Cuban Grand Prix. So back in like whenever F one first started, there not all of the races that they were doing were championship like title races. So they would do kind of like more of like an exhibition type races as well, like throughout the season. So So it's not like a building of points and things like that. Like it is now. Right. Well, in a lot of them were, I mean, there definitely was like championship races, but there was a lot of races in between that didn't count for points. It was more of just like a, like practice. this is just a fun race. Yeah. Yeah. Like to go practice. Right. Exactly. And so the Cuban Grand Prix was one of those. Like it wasn't a championship race. Um, but it, they had had the first Cuban Grand Prix, Grand Prix in 1957, the year before. And it was super popular. Like it went off great. Fangio actually won that race. Mm-hmm. And just some kind of history like Cuban history (laughs) for everyone so there has there had been at this point a lot of like unrest in the country there still is to this day a lot of unrest in the country um but at the time Batista was the president dictator whatever what have you running the country and there was a lot of um like there was this movement kind of growing up that was called at the time the July 26th movement, but that ended up being like the Castro regime later on down the road. 
Um, but so what they were trying to do was they basically wanted to overthrow Batista and it was like kind of like a grassroots like people like these rebels were like getting together and they wanted to overthrow the government essentially. Mm -hmm. So Batista was really trying to do everything that he could to kind of like push that down and not make it be a known fact to other people, especially like other countries and just the general public. Like he wanted to put off this, um, I guess like idea that everything was super happy and everyone was at peace and everything is great and it's so fun and look at this well, Grand Prix and all I was of that. Say, I feel like every dictator wants that. Like of they course. Want the world to see like that their country's the, perfect. Only and- the positive things and everything mm-hmm. is looking great and everything's fine. So he wants to again organize the second Cuban Grand Prix because the first one was so successful And um, he was really trying to boost like American tourism and have more people Mm -hmm. come down there. And so this was just going to be like a great showing for him, essentially. Yeah. Um, But okay, so just with all of that backstory. So this July 26th movement, they were trying to um, kind of put off like because people they had the, I guess, reputation of being like these bad people like rebels and like you know people were scared of them whatever and so they were really trying to improve their reputation so their whole goal was to kidnap Fangio and then like just to prove a point but but then you're you're trying to have a better (laughs) reputation so you decide that kidnapping to kidnap somebody is the best way (laughs) to show that I'm improving my reputation i'm not a bad person like i'm I'm a nice person i'm gonna kidnap this guy and it's gonna be what is that (laughs) it's insane that's what it is but so okay so they came up with this plan and they did a bunch of research they were trying to figure out you know all of the different time frames of like when people would be coming and going from this race like what would be the best opportunity for them to kidnap him Uh and uh, initially they wanted to try to do it like after qualifying but then that didn't work out so why didn't it work out like just there was too too many many people around and there was like you know it just it wasn't they figured out they were like okay this is not gonna work but so Fangio goes to qualifying he actually qualifies on pole for this race and Yeah. And so then like they all go back to this hotel. And so they're like following them there. Um, all of the like all the drivers, mechanics, everyone that was kind of with them was down in the lobby. There was like a bar down in there. They're like having cocktails, chatting, what have you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Fangio gets somebody like comes up behind him and kind of like pokes something into his side but he didn't he thought it was somebody and it's really interesting too because i listened to like interviews like old interviews with him about this and so he's talking and saying like whenever this happened like i thought it was somebody poking me and like to ask me for an autograph or something Uh and so he's like this friendly guy he turns around and he's like hey what's going on (laughs) and they're like then he realizes the guy has a gun and he's telling him like i'm kidnapping you you need to come with me like and meanwhile there's 
tons of people. Like this lobby is full of people. But does everyone know he's being kidnapped or is it? Well, like and I think subtly- they like realized it right mm-hmm. away. They were like, oh, my God, like this guy, like because he had a gun and he was like showing the gun. Yeah, but and is he like, is he yelling and screaming it or is he just more I, I don't so think like he was in his yelling. Ear, like, you need to come with us. And, right. Yeah. Right. And so he did tell him too. He was like, if anybody calls the police or alerts anybody, we have a bunch of people with machine guns like stationed outside and they're basically going to light this place up. So he's like, you like they have to wait at least five minutes is what he tells them. Okay. So he's like, come with me. So they go and they get in this car and there's obviously like the car's already running. There's people driving like someone was driving. There was other people in the car. And then the kidnapper guy, and so he's in there, and he's, like, obviously, like, oh, crap. You know, like, this is not a good situation. And the kidnappers put a, um, like, a baseball cap on him, some sunglasses, Mm -hmm. or trying to disguise him. And they're just telling him, like, you know, be quiet, act normal, like, be still. I like how you, (laughs) oh, are you, like, getting in character? I am. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Okay. So he, Fangio, starts to notice that all of these kidnappers are, like, super nervous. They're very agitated. They're literally sweating. They're, like, stressing out. And so he's like, look, like, do you guys want to ransom? Like, he was, like, trying to figure out what the goal was, you know. Mm -hmm. And so he starts asking, like, you know, why am I being kidnapped? Like, are you guys looking for money? Like, what is the story? And they're like, well, no. And so they start to explain to him, like, they're part of the July 26th movement. They wanted to do this because Batista is trying to, like, pretend like everything in the country is great. And all of these people are, like, trying to get together to overthrow the government. And he's trying to ignore that. And he's in denial. And so they're doing this to get notoriety, essentially, for their movement. Okay. And so he was like, look, I don't want to get hurt. Like, I will do whatever. Like, I'm going to cooperate, whatnot. So they're like, okay, great. So then they like drive around. They this movement, they had a bunch of different um, like safe houses and the suburbs of Havana. And so they go to a few different safe houses. They're trying to basically like make sure that there's not a trail on them. I mean, and but so, that makes sense because if you just go to one place and stay there, like, right? You're and then somebody could caught. have been following you or whatnot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so in the meantime, the people back at the hotel, they've obviously alerted the police, the you know whoever. Like Fangio got kidnapped. Like this is crazy. And so Batista and all the people from the government, like they're like frantically trying to find him. Because this is going to ruin the Grand Prix. Like, they're like, we can't have literally Fangio being kidnapped. Like, this is not a good look for anybody. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's not a good look (laughs) for, like, F1. It's definitely not a good look for Cuba. Like, I'm sure, like, every single, like, you know, tourist or whatever that was there is like, oh, my gosh. Like, am I going to be kidnapped? Like, exactly. This is definitely not a good look. This is crazy. Yeah. Right. Right. So one of the things that they start to do is go to like, obviously, they put up all these roadblocks. They like close the airport because they're wanting to make sure like that he doesn't go that far. Mm -hmm. And then, too, they started to go to a lot of the jails and stuff and like interview people that were involved with this July 26th movement 
to see if like they knew anything, like what kind of information could they get about the plans that they had and whatnot. So they're all trying to figure this out. Meanwhile, back Fangio with the kidnappers, they finally like settle in at one of these safe houses and he starts to like be really friendly with these kidnappers because he's really trying to put the charm on of like, don't hurt me. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I'll do whatever. Like, he was like signing. Money, you know, yeah. Sign he was things. signing I'll autographs for them. Yeah. He was like chatting with them, just, you know, getting to know them. And mm-hmm. even in some of the interviews, like he said, like genuinely, like I started to, like these guys like they were pretty okay like they fed him yeah they were giving him food they were just having conversation you know whatnot so he's basically becoming friends with these kidnappers and he asked them if he could call his family in Argentina because he's thinking like you know at this point news has gotten out and they they also had the radio on and they were listening to like the news coverage and so they knew people were looking for him like they knew that it was the news had gotten out already and so he asked to call his family in Argentina the kidnappers let him they let him talk to him or talk to them and so that was good he was happy about that obviously Um, and so then they asked him to write them two letters so they wanted him to write a letter for the Cuban newspaper And then also for the Argentinian embassy and basically they're like, you know, we just want you to write about how nice we are and how well we've been treating you. And because, again, they're trying to get this reputation of like being these nice people that kidnap people, (laughs) which sounds ludicrous. It is. It is ludicrous. (laughs) But I mean, that was their whole shtick. Like they wanted Mm -hmm. the general public to be like oh my god they're so nice like this is going to be so much better than what we have currently like we should join in on this Mm -hmm. situation Mm -hmm. but so anyways um and he kind of so Fangio being Argentinian he kind of like understood a lot of the politics of the situation because of the whole like like he had lived through like Evita Perón and like all of the kind of similar stuff that they've dealt with down there so he was like okay like I'm kind of like, I get it. Like, I can work with us. Yeah. And he, it, like, he under, like, he's not freaking, I mean, I'm sure he was freaking out, but not yeah. truly freaking out. Because I'm sure for him, he knew, like, the end goal isn't for him to get injured. The end goal right. is just to make some noise in a different way. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, he understood, too, with basically in the conversations he had been having with the, these kidnappers, like, if I play my part, like the goal is to not hurt me. Like the goal is for Mm -hmm. me to leave here in one piece Mm -hmm. and talk about how great they are. And he's like, I'm down. Like, that's fine. Like I'll do whatever. Yeah. So meanwhile that, so that was literally the night before the actual race. Right. So now it's the next day and all of the people that are getting this race set up are waiting. Cause they're like, well, Fangio's not here. He's literally pole sitter. He's like the star person for this race. So in the circuit, and I'll put a, a picture with the Instagram um, post for this episode, but it's called the Malecon circuit. And the Malecon is like, it's kind of like a seawall. 
Um, but it was literally right along, like it's a street that's right along the seawall and like next to the ocean. And it's a super narrow circuit. Um, if you look at the map of it, it kind of reminds me almost a little bit of Monaco. Like it's very, very tight. It's very okay. narrow. Yeah. And is it still so, there? Is it still like I mean, a... that street, it, it's an actual street. Like the street is oh, still so there. Oh, so it's a street yes. circuit. Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, like they had set it up literally on the street. And so to that point, like this being, again, it's 1958. This is not a championship race like they did not have gates they did not have barriers it was very much like we're just lining up on the street and like we're gonna have a race here and so I know it was crazy and like there was a lot of people that I mean Havana was super populated there was a lot of people that wanted to see this race like it was very you know of interest for everyone that's there um there was about 150,000 people in attendance, which is like a lot for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they didn't have any gates. They didn't have any barriers. So everyone is just pretty much like if you imagine like a regular city street, like they're lined up on it's, like the sidewalk. It's like, literally like a parade. Like, yeah, you line up on the side of the road for a parade. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Insane. It's insane. And so people in the crowd are getting unruly because everyone knows like Fangio has been kidnapped. And so they're all going crazy. And I mean, there's people watching from like balconies and apartment buildings that kind of line the street. I mean, it was it was just insane madness. Um, But OK, so Batista is trying to basically hold off because he is so like holding on to hope that like no we're gonna find Fangio they even put Fangio's car literally like in the first grid spot like on the grid like they were like with no driver they like lined his car up because they were like no 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 like it's cool like we're gonna find him he's just gonna be a little bit late like they're trying to pretend like nothing's wrong right and so they're holding on to this hope so he essentially waits for two hours like he Mm -hmm. delays this start race start for two hours and so finally they were like look the crowd is getting super unruly like everyone's been waiting they want to see this race like we're gonna have to start we're gonna have to start without him everyone knows he's been kidnapped and so they're like okay whatever start the race so the race starts um it's going good whatnot until one of the cars, which was a Ferrari, which I didn't mention this, but Fangio at this time was a Maserati driver. He was driving a Maserati. But so one of the cars, which was a Ferrari, lost control and skidded over like an oil patch that was on the track, a.k.a. Roan, and skids into the crowd, injuring more than 30 people and oh killing God. seven. Yeah. What? I didn't even know that about this story. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But that goes to show you, like, how crazy back in the day, there was no safety regulations. And, like, the regulations then were, like, nothing. And, like, now you look at it today that, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, last year when Joe flew off the track in between the barrier, I mean, like, can you imagine if we were back in the 50s? Yeah. So many more people would have been injured. You know what I mean? Which, on that topic, so... I saw this news yesterday. It was the track in Portimao in Portugal. They were doing like it was some kind of IndyCar or some other different motorsport situation. But they're on the track and 
a driver crash kind of similar to like Joe's crash and his car went over the gate and it landed literally like in the grandstands. Wait, but there was no one sitting there. Like how lucky is that? Out of chance. No one was sitting there. Out of chance. No one was sitting there. No one got injured. Oh, my! how lucky is that? But like it's still like that just goes to show you like these cars are going so fast. Mm -hmm. Like there's always that risk that chance you know mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy that's insane yeah but so this crash that happened at the cuban uh grand prix it's still like to this day one of the worst events in motorsports because literally seven people got killed 30 people more than 30 people injured mm-hmm. so after that happens clearly the race is called off like it's done yeah fondue has been kidnapped this horrible crash happens like huge tragedy terrible so Fangio and all the kidnappers they're still in the safe house and they're listening to this on the radio because they've been playing all the news and everything and so he hears this and then he starts to think to himself like oh my god I am so lucky to have been kidnapped because he had been having issues with his car and like it he felt like his car was like unstable and he had been complaining about it during qualifying and all of that so he's thinking to himself like thank god I got kidnapped because that could have been me like I could have had a crash like that so now the kidnappers they feel like okay their goal has been accomplished like the race has been ruined They've definitely gotten the news out, all of that. So now they're like, okay, well, we're going to return you. Like, we're going to unkidnap you. Like, we're going to take you back Unkidnap you? <laughs> yeah. But so then Fangio starts to get really stressed out because he knows and understands, like, Batista and all of his people, like, they're going to be trying to spin this in a way that makes these kidnappers and the July 26th movement look as bad as possible. So he's like, look, if you take me back to that hotel and just drop me off, like one of their people is going to get me and like have me murdered and then they'll blame it on you, like saying that you killed me. So he's like, we can't do that. And so they're like, he's freaking out, stressing out. So he asked them to take him to the Argentinian embassy, like in the middle of the night. Yeah. So he's like, look, that's the safest place. Like we got to reach out to somebody there. Um, let them know we're coming and then mm-hmm. we'll get there like in the middle of the night. No one will see us. Yeah. So that's what they do. And they passed him off to the embassy. No issues. Everything was good. And then he Fangio comes out and says, you know, like I've been let go and these people are very merciful and whatnot, whatever. So they get what they wanted out of the situation. He goes free. He's happy. Um, and he essentially, like, became more of a celebrity because of the situation. Because it was like, you got kidnapped. And, like, oh, my God, tell us the whole story. And, like, he was on, like, I mean, at the time, like, I, I Good don't, Morning I don't America. Say, like, yeah, like, whatever the equivalent was of, like, yeah. in the United States, which, like, the, in the U.S., like, this wasn't really a big thing in the U.S. And, like, people didn't, like, he wasn't, like, a household name there. Mm-hmm. But after this, like, he starts to be in, like, different magazines and newspapers all over the place. And so he pretty soon after this whole ordeal retires from 
racing because he's like he was 38 at the time so well no at this like, point he was older because at this point he was like 44 because he was oh, 38 yeah, he whenever started. he started in That's f1 right. yeah 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 mm-hmm. so i think he was like 44 at the time yeah. um and after being kidnapped i think i would be like mm, i think i'm gonna go yeah. take a little it's slower like, okay, pace in we're life. good yeah. yeah but so pretty much um a lot of people credit like his cool calm collectedness of like being able to keep it all intact throughout the situation for him to like survive this and yeah come out and and be good so really interesting story oh and also too i want to say after like after the fact um so more cuban history for you so after in january of 1959 Castro and this July 26th movement, they overthrow the country and get mm-hmm. Batista out. The Cuban Grand Prix did not take place in 1959 because they were like in the final stages of doing this whole overthrow situation, but they mm-hmm. did have one last one in 1960. And that one didn't take place on that circuit on the street. It actually took place on some service roads around a military airfield so if that gives you a little vibe of what was going on with castro it was not good anyways and then fangio in the 1980s traveled back to cuba and met up with his kidnappers and they hung out like they were old friends (laughs) insane (laughs) yeah but i mean i guess i kind of get it you know so that's the story about how fangio the most kidnapped. famous driver at the time got kidnapped the night before a Grand Prix. That's insane. It's fascinating. <laughs> it is. It's a cool story. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know anything about that. I know. So. Well, thank you for researching of and course. sharing. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Okay. So now that I know that I was responsible for one of these <laughs> topics, um, I am going to go over... The South African Grand Prix in 1982 and the driver strike that we had. I know. I mean, I don't want to say like it's this is a little bit cliche because I feel like almost every sport, like the players of some sort or the, you know, players or I guess drivers, whatever you want to call it. Like, Mm -hmm. in some point in time has been unhappy with something, with the governing body, and so they've gone on strike. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, I don't know, I think it's a little cool that, you know, they they stand up for what they believe in. So, as Alex kind of said earlier, um, so we're going to go back to the 80s, 1982 to be specific, um, in South Africa, and also to note about this so south africa was a very prominent like well-known race so when Hmm. this strike took place it actually was the 28th year of the south african grand grand prix which is like to me i'm like that's a big deal like yeah that's like a really long-standing race yeah that's like some of the italian ones or monaco right it's it's I don't want to say the heart of the the season, but kind of. So what it was um, like a mainstay. Yeah, it's a main stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So um, the 1982 race was the first race of the season. 
So that's also kind of what was interesting to me about this is that we're kicking off the season. Everyone's ready to get back into it. And we go on strike. Oh, my God. It's not even like we like, yeah, like it's not even like we're like, okay, halfway through the season, unhappy. It builds. Oh, no. First race. First race of the season. Like, what a bummer. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. But I'm like, after hearing all about this, um, I kind of was like, okay, I would have been in on this also. You would have gone on strike? Okay. I can't wait to hear. Oh, my God. Okay. Tell me. I feel like I'm, well, I'm also like, I don't know. This would piss me off. Okay. So the reason for the strike was they were protesting the new super license conditions imposed by the FISA, which is Mm -hmm. like the old FIA. Governing body. um, Yeah. The governing body. Um, And so what they were protesting, or what the conditions that they imposed in the new season that all the drivers didn't like was um, that the... FISA made it illegal for any driver to criticize the governing body um, and they would only be allowed to say good things about the FISA. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. So So, this is like a dictatorship. It's like a dictatorship. (laughs) Yeah. And like, can you imagine like whenever like, um, who was it? Alonzo and all of that was like upset at the race where he got third and then he got penalized. And then yeah. He got like all of that. Oh, you wouldn't have been. So able like to you wouldn't anything. be. A- wow. You- so they wouldn't be allowed to like question any calls that were made. I don't think it's questioning calls. I don't. I think it's that you cannot publicly criticize go out them. and criticize the governing body. So like if you disagreed with like something like some call or something like that you can't yeah you just have to like keep it to yourself yeah just sit there and just oh my god that's ridiculous yeah it's like almost like oh you you can drive but you can have no voice like you just you're just a driver you're not a Mm -hmm. person you know okay yeah so that was the first big thing which i was oh there's more Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not, no, that's not oh my the God. only reason to strike. I mean, okay. but also, you have to remember in the 80s, I, I feel like that's when most countries and stuff like that, and I don't even know when all of, like, Nelson Mandela and all of that and whatnot mm-hmm. was going on, but I would say around the world, for the most part, I feel like most people were starting to, like, have the standard of freedom of speech. You right, know? So right, right, right. To have your governing body be like oh no you can't say anything but good things about us like yeah well but it's almost kind of like um their new thing where they can't make political statements exactly but there's a difference between political statements and right criticize like right that you can't have any having an opinion essentially i can understand the like political side of things because Mm -hmm. i feel like that's a very very touchy subject across mm-hmm. the board, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, you should be able to like question or you know, I don't know, say your opinion on the governing Something. body, right? You know, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that was the first thing. The second thing um, was, and I think this is probably the biggest piece of it: um, the drivers would no longer be allowed to negotiate contracts with other teams themselves. So, 
the control of who you drove for was only left up to the teams now. So like you what? couldn't have yeah, you couldn't have any say in like where you went or why you went there and things like that. Um Oh my re- god. <clears throat> yeah, and the fear with the drivers with that was that they felt like the teams were going to team up and say, yeah. "Oh, well, I want your driver for this race, so you have to go just drive for that team." And then they were going to like flip-flop them all around. But the driver like throughout had no, the season, throughout the season, and the driver no would have no say. Like it's not like it's like even like you know when you get traded and stuff like that. I sure. think you still have to sign off on like right, 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 right. You, you have to, to agree. Team. Yeah, like either you go to that team, or if you don't want to go to that team, you're on no team. You know what mm-hmm, I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so like they were not allowed to like that was one of the things they weren't allowed to negotiate any of their contracts on their own anymore. What? Yeah. So like, okay, so throughout a race, uh, like a race season. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say I'm Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't every team like want me on their team? Yeah. But so your then own what happens? Would, yeah, but your own team wouldn't want to like like trade you you or whatever let you go right it would be like the drivers like oscar piastri or someone like that that maybe isn't like the key person then they potentially would get traded throughout the season to try to get a better person on their team okay i got it you would have that's wild yeah and so like all of these rules like got imposed in that season Mm -hmm. and then like the drivers were unhappy with it of course back then i don't think there was like necessarily like a a driver's union like i think now there's more of like there's an organization that kind of like supports the drivers and like their opinions and their voice and things like that but back then there there wasn't as much Mm -hmm. so wow yeah no i'm with you now i'm like okay yeah where's my where's my little sign like i'll be on strike too kidding (laughs) Yeah. yeah For sure. Yeah, then, we're going on strike. <laughs> um, the other thing that the drivers didn't like that was imposed in these new um, super license changes or whatever is that the drivers um, would be tied to a single team for three years. Oh, so they wouldn't like be able so to like, jump around. Yeah, like so say you joined and you're a part of Williams, right? Mm-hmm. And then like you know, um, you do really well or whatever. And then say Ferrari or something like a year later wants to offer you a contract. You are mm-hmm. not allowed to because you were tied to that original team for three, for years. three years. Oh no my God. What. Yeah. 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 So no good. anyways, so with that, um, we had kind of two leaders of the strike mm-hmm. at the South Africa Grand Prix. The first one was a Ferrari driver. Um, uh, what's his name? Peroni. Yeah. Ooh, Peroni. Okay. Yeah. And then the second one was McLaren driver, uh, Lauda. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Which I was surprised. I was like, Nikki, for him to be like. Yeah. Like center, but I like- feel like, I feel like Nikki was very vocal on like his he- thoughts and his he opinions. Was, he was vocal, but I mean, to be a leader of a strike, I mean, that's very yeah. different. So, so anyways, so 
all of the the, the Grand Prix weekend starts, right? Mm-hmm. All of these conditions have, you know, the drivers know what's going on and stuff like that. The drivers start talking. And I think they had been talking about it for weeks, you know, and they were unhappy mm-hmm. about it, right? So the two of them team up together and they decide, okay, we're going to we're going to do something about this. And note that they also went to the FISA at the time and tried to like mm-hmm. work with him and have conversations about right. like, all of this. And pretty much they were like, get no, away. We're not hearing yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't, they didn't want to communicate. They didn't want to like mm-hmm. compromise on anything. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So oh my gosh, what the two strike leaders did was they went to the hotel, they round, or not ho- to the hotel, they went to um, the track, they rounded everybody up, mm-hmm. everyone got on a bus, everyone left the track, and went to a local hotel down the street, and just posted <laughs> up in the hotel. Literally. And they were like, we're not leaving. Oh, they're not leaving. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> like, they were like, no. They did this That's on Thursday. Funny. During yeah. the practice session. Oh, so my God. Everyone else is at the track. All of this is going on. All the teams, all the people. Si- oh, yeah. All the teams, everything like spectator. Not one single driver <gasps> was at the track. Wait. So, OK, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, was there any drivers that were like, no, like, I don't want to strike. Like, I'm just going to go with it. Not originally. So okay. originally everyone was like was on board, on board right? Uh-huh. Um, so the Grand Prix Drivers Association or whatever, they arranged a bus, picked everyone up, dropped everyone at this local hotel or whatever mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, so they're all kind of hanging out. And you'll have to like, I'll have to send you some pictures or you can Google it. But there's pictures of them all in this conference room like sleeping on the floor hanging out it's like a big it was like a slumber party yeah Yeah. so you know like they're sitting there and I think Nikki was the only person that stayed at the track but Mm -hmm. he stayed at the track as a negotiator for the drivers for the group right yeah for the group like okay hey look we're all on strike we're all not driving I'm your person Let's talk to about talk this. to. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the FISA did not take to a oh, uh, sure. strike very well. I'm um, sure. To the point where they told them that if the drivers didn't make it to the race the next day, that they would all be banned from F1 for the remainder of their life. Oh, my God. Yeah. Again, it's like a dictatorship. It's a dictatorship. This is crazy. And and I think that's what like the drivers were kind of like, you know, you're not going to impose these these rules on us that we don't agree with and make threats like that. And like, you know what I mean? Like this. That's just not. That's wild. Yeah. So all of them just sit there. So the next day comes around. No one goes to the track. And. You know, so the FISA starts, you know, threatening more and blah, blah, blah Mm -hmm. and whatnot and all the talk. And um, what was it? Yeah. So they talk. And then finally, Nikki gets the FISA to start having open dialogue about, like, the rules and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And um, 
So eventually they come back to like some type of an agreement, right? But mm-hmm. before it happens, you asked me if anyone had given up or like stayed right. back in the track. Well, yeah. there was two people that in the midst of all of this decided to leave the hotel and go back to the track. One uh. was Fabi. Um, he was one of the people that gave up. And then uh-huh. Tolman, he gave up because he was making his F1 debut and he didn't want to jeopardize uh. his chance of like being So able. he was like newer. See, I was going to say, like, I feel like if anybody would like kind of chicken out on this situation, it would be like some of the newer people. Yeah, but those are like, oh, like, this is my dream. Like, I can't like, Mm. well, just sit in this hotel. (laughs) Well, And for like a solid day, I mean, the FISA at the time was like, I mean, threatening banning for life. And there was a lot of other things that they were threatening. So, I mean, yeah, young, you might have been like, oh, like, but originally everyone was on board. Everyone got on the bus, which is insane to me. Like yeah, from the get go, you don't have. Yeah, like a, there's usually 100%. like a couple people, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so they were the only two that you know backed out of this or whatever, and eventually the FISA came to an agreement with the drivers, and um, the Grand Prix ended up going on, like going off and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them just had received like ten thousand dollar fines, and then they also got some uh, suspended race like race bands or whatever the funny oh my thing god about so they it, got fines for this oh yes they got fines and that was like the average fine i think right he and the ferrari driver got like larger fines but i right. think in their minds they were like it was worth we it, don't care yeah yeah, yeah 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 but then years later when the fisa was like restructured and then replaced by the fia the fia went back and actually like I think reevaluated a lot of this and then like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say refunded money, but essentially like went back and like rectified some of the, the situation, uh, the punishments that the drivers had received because they felt like, yeah, because they felt like in the nineties when all of this, that happened, they felt like it was just, it was overdone. Like, right there. It shouldn't have been, to that degree and stuff like that mm-hmm, but yeah mm-hmm. so i mean my god in a nutshell that was the south africa grand prix strike which i don't know i think it's kind of cool and like i said like i was after finding out like why they were striking i was like oh i would have been the first up there because i was like no you're not gonna tell no. me like i have no control over my career or like right. what i can say or you know like especially growing yeah. up in the united states as like freedom of speech and things like that i'd be like no absolutely not, not gonna fly with me <laughs> <laughs> so. no that's crazy yeah so, oh my gosh just so a interesting bit of, yeah a little bit of history outside of the u.s and yeah not so yeah no i loved that i think that's super fun like we're gonna have to find more topics like this because i like doing these episodes oh yeah like yeah, yeah, for it's sure. just like so interesting there's so many different things Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also oh, good to see, like, I don't know, just over the years again, like, to see, like, in the 50s, someone kidnapped and, like, for political reasons. And then you go, you know, 30 years forward and, like, the governing body is, like, 
taking away your voice you know what i'm saying like it's just uh, interesting to see the evolution of the sport and like yeah just on the car side like the evolution of like the drivers and the governing body and like i don't know just the whole makeup of you know f1 and motorsports so yeah and how everything works together no it's super interesting Mm-hmm. Super exactly. interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. So fun. Well, I think that's all we have today. Yeah. No. Okay. So we're going to have to think of more like that. Um, I know I, I want to, I think for next week, mm-hmm. go over Crashgate. Oh, that would be fun. And then how Felipe Massa has like tried to reopen that whole situation because mm-hmm. he's questioning um, his or Lewis's driver's championship title from that after that season. So I think we'll do that for next week. And then we'll, it'll be race week again. Yeah. And Alex's I know. birthday. First I know. sprint race of the season, which first sprint, sprint race. race. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it more when we talk about mm-hmm. um, that race, but right. the structural changes on the um, sprint race have changed. Yeah. And how they do it for like qualifying and all of that. So that's, Super interesting, new, exactly. fun, exciting. We can't wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify with video. Mm-hmm. Uh, where else? YouTube with video. Oh, yeah, that right. Yeah. Anywhere else that you get, anywhere else you listen to your podcasts, we are streaming on there. And then on Instagram at Queens of the Paddock. And then also on Twitter. Yeah. So, yes. And look out for Alex's fun video and pictures that will go along <laughs> with the episode. Because I, like, honestly, that's my one of my favorite things is to see yeah. all of your our Instagram posts that you do. Yeah. Well, I feel like we need, like, you need, like, an illustration. Because I'm a very yeah. visual person. So when that's I'm listening like- to something, I'm like, I, I, I need to see what they're talking about. I, I know that's why I was like you need to post the picture of the slumber party because yeah no like, for sure cool. so yeah <laughs> well. well so much fun well, thank you guys for listening this has been Queens of the Paddock an F1 podcast my name is Alex and I'm Courtney and lights out and away we go we'll see you soon see bye <laughs>